I'm not saying Steph has been Steph, but I'm just saying when you average 33 points and people are disappointed, that says something. That's a high bar. If I was a star player in this league, I'd wake up this morning saying, hey, next year, I'm just taking 16 games off. They just looked out of sorts. And while they do have tremendous experience, they don't have any experience facing this type of adversity, not since the 2016 conference finals against Oklahoma City. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. I've long been a big Steph Curry fan, and I have been extremely disappointed by his overall play in these finals in key moments. This is all given the fact that he's a two-time former MVP and has had a golden opportunity to show that he could win a finals without Kevin Durant and without Andre Iguodala being the finals MVP. Just remember, he dehydrated before game two in Toronto, and clearly he was feeling some degree of pressure because his team was facing an 0-2 hole at that point. Clay goes down with a hamstring pull, eight minutes left in that game, and I still can't get over the fact that down the stretch, the last eight minutes, Steph Curry couldn't even get up a shot. He couldn't get to the free throw line. He had one assist, and they went eight straight empty trips from 539 down to seven seconds left when Iggy finally ended it and saved them with a three, or they would have been swept in this series. Obviously, they went home game three. He scored 47 points, and you say, oh, I got you there. But really, they were a lot of empty calories to me because we've known him to flurry from three and just blow teams off the oracle floor from the three-point. He's revolutionized the game with his three-point shooting, not that night. They could never cut it any closer than seven points, the deficit. We didn't see him do what he did against Houston when he scored 23 in the fourth quarter of the closeout game at Houston. I know I'm, I'm raising the bar way up here, but I thought he was that guy. And then we get to the other night, and it got so bad for Steph Curry, I've never seen this from him. He was hesitating, flinching, sort of hitching, double clutching before he shot three of his threes the other night. What? And, and they're all short or they're all offline, and it's just not him. He goes 0 for 5 from 3 in the first half when they had a chance late in the first quarter to blow Toronto out. They needed Steph to flurry from 3, and he just couldn't. He goes 2 for 9 from 3 for the game. So all of a sudden, I'm having those flashbacks to games 5, 6, and 7 against Cleveland when they had them down 3 to 1, and he came up really small in all three games. And if we just look at the fourth quarter, uh, in, in these, well, let's just look at the plus minus against Houston in those two games. And then the four against Portland, he was a plus 59 in the finals. He's a minus 16. Well, that's, he's that guy. There's no KD and Iggy's on one leg. Okay. So who, who are you, Steph? Well, they, you know, they need you. I needed you because I picked Golden State to be that guy. And instead he's that guy who came up very small against Cleveland. So in the end, yeah, I'm extremely disappointed because I set the bar even before he got drafted way up here, and he is way under my bar. Go ahead, Shannon. You, 
you, you, you should be disappointed, Skip, because this was his moment. This was his moment to shine because we keep hearing this and all the stats, Skip, how many times have we seen the stats? When Steph Curry plays and Kevin Durant doesn't, they're 31 and one, or they're 31 and two, or they're this and they're that. This was his time. This was his moment to be the Steph Curry from the Portland series and the last game and a half from the Houston Rockets series. This was his time to shine. And he hasn't been able to do it. Now we saw him have that workmanlike effort in game three, 47 points where he led the team in scoring. He led the team in rebounding. He led the team in assists. And it seems to me that that workload was far too much of a burden for him to carry because he has not even been close to resembling the Steph Curry that we know he can be. As you mentioned, Skip, there are a lot of times Steph normally catches the ball and lets it go. We saw hitch after hitch after hitch, shot come up short after time Mm -hmm. after time and time again. So I don't really know what's going on with Steph Curry other than to say, you know, we can make excuses for him and say, okay, he's tired. But hell, everybody's tired. It's not like Steph Curry is the only one that's been playing and everybody else, he, he's had off and he just started playing, you know, he's been playing 150 games and everybody else has just played 75. Everybody's played just as many games as Steph Curry to this point. But this was his opportunity to show, you know what, guys? I can do this. I can carry the load. Yeah, we don't have Kevin Durant. We'd love to have him back, but he's not. Let me show you why I'm a two-time MVP. Let me show you why I won one of those unanimously. And Clay in game four, Skip, we like, if Steph give us anything close to the game three performance, Chris, and he gets Clay to come along, well, hell, Clay came along, and then Steph got out the car and left Clay in the car by himself. <laughs> I, was, I think I agree with you, Skip. Thank you. I think game one, Steph was very good. 34 points. Game two, yeah. Okay. 23. Until not, the fourth not, yeah, quarter. Not, not very good. Game three, I thought he was tremendous. Game four, disappointing. Yet, as you said, the bar is so high. When you're averaging 33 points, five assists, five rebounds, and you're disappointing, 33 points is 33 points. I mean, that, that is great. And you mentioned no Kevin Durant. Clay missed the game. Kevon Looney has missed three. DeMarcus Cousins is a shell of himself. Iguodala's banged up, averaging seven points a game and shooting 21% from three. Draymond Green has not been himself, shooting 8% from three. Now, I know he's not a great shooter, but 8%. Steph Curry's facing a boxing one defense. When's the last time we remember an NBA player facing a boxing one? I don't even know if Michael Jordan... LeBron get that every game he plays. Uh, (laughs) Let's go to LeBron because nobody can do it by themselves. LeBron, Steph Curry, you look at his numbers, he's shooting 41% from the floor. When LeBron had to do it by himself in 2015, he shot 39% from the floor. And I'm not saying Steph's as good as LeBron, but that's what it is. Nobody can do it by themselves. And Clay's been probably their best player in the games he's played. I'm not saying Steph has been Steph, but I'm just saying when you average 33 points and people are disappointed, that says something. That's a high bar. He's not what he was against Portland, not what he was against Houston, but as Shannon said earlier, Toronto's a different animal defensively. I mean, they got great individual defenders and they play great team defense. And then they're throwing up boxing one, and you mentioned not getting a shot off. I understand it. As somebody who played a boxing one defensively in high school and college, 
you can, it's like being a cornerback, except they, you know, in football, they can run a fly pattern and run by you. Okay, you can't no, do that in basketball. And know you got help. Right, no, you just shot, totally face guard somebody and keep them from getting when, the ball. When did help ever help against Steph Curry? How did he revolutionize the game? Not Shooting enough, threes. But like, you what I'm saying help. is, if, even if it's Fred Van Vliet, he can't block Steph's shot. If you told me they put number <laughs> two on him and he just engulfed him out on the perimeter, but he can get his shot against Van Vliet anytime he wants his distance shot. He has okay. not had that three-point blitzkrieg that not. you're talking about. He I agree not. with that. And, and as Shannon was saying earlier, he's not going to be in the top ten right now. You know, he said if he wins this series, he goes top ten. But look. The reason Michael Jordan's the GOAT is because he's the only player that I can think of that never had a moment like mm-hmm. this in the finals or even maybe in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And whether it's LeBron against Dallas, whether it's Isaiah Thomas in his first finals, he mm-hmm. had four games, he scored 15 or fewer points. Whether it's Larry Bird, two eight-point games in his first finals. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen it time and time again from stars not be able to step up. And if his moment of not being able to step up, he still averaged 33? Okay, but remember. That says something. You you can make stats do any dance you want to make them do. If you look at when the money's on the table, in the fourth quarters against Houston and Portland, he shot 38% from three, which is pretty much what he does. In the fourth quarters of this finals, he shot 25% from three, which is not what he does. They need him to make the three ball. They need him to rise above the finals and say, I'm even better than number two. I'm, I'm a better star than he is in what I do. And that has not happened. Now, he had 10 points in game. And, and I don't even think he was good in game four. But he had 19 points in the second half, mm-hmm. 10 in the fourth quarter. Okay. They've just gotten beat. Like, I mean, we're expecting Steph to average 35 and win. And shoot, like, 40% from three. To I mean, that's the, a high To be bar. the right. difference maker. You know, that. Wh- why did right. you pick Golden State in six? I'm sure you were thinking Steph's – he was on well, fire. Well, Steph and Clay, yeah. I, I didn't – and look, even when they won in 15, they – as you say, Iguodala was the MVP, although I think it should have been Steph. Yeah. They had other players contributing. Okay. But we just saw Steph come out of the most devastating, dominating stretch of his whole playoff career in games five and six against Houston and those four against Portland. I'd never seen him play better. So I thought, right. okay, here we go, right? I, I, I'm going to give – and I okay. look, I'm not trying to sit here and say he's been himself because I, I, it has been a bit disappointing. But I'm going to give Toronto's defense some credit for that too. And right. then – I think the, the biggest – I think this is where Skip is most disappointing is that he saw what happened in game three. And he says, well, if he gets some help, he's going to be just fine in game four. Well, st- well, Clay comes back and drops 28 and was magnificent. Yep. And it then it's like Steph took a step back. Oh, we didn't say, Steph, give us 47, but you can't give us 20. What You can't give us what you gave us in game four. Yep. Give, us, give us 35. That is true. Give us 33. So he's saying if, if Steph gives us give, – okay, if Steph gives us what he's been averaging, which is 33, to go along with Steph with Clay's 28, now we might be having a different discussion, Chris. That's what the disappointment is, is that this is your moment to show because you know what everybody's going to say? Yeah, yeah, KD needed y'all, but y'all really, really needed KD because I'm not so sure with LeBron and, and Kyrie in Cleveland, y'all were ever going to beat them again, mm-hmm. especially – after they track you down from 3-1. Chris Broussard joining me. 
co-host of The Odd Couple with Rob Parker, former New York Times guy. So, uh, series going to end tonight, Chris? You think it Look, is? Look, I, I picked the Warriors in six, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess now I have to go. I, I don't want to change picks. I hate to change picks, so I guess I'll say Warriors in seven. But, look, obviously every, you know, bone in your body tells you Toronto closes them out tonight. But I covered that series when they were down 3-1 to Oklahoma City, and I thought it was over. And, of course, they came back and went. Same thing. I had the same exact feeling when LeBron was down 3-1 in 2016. That, of course, once Draymond was suspended for game five, I remember feeling like this changes everything. Even though it's just one game, he's not the best player on the team, I felt like that little thing gave them enough hope to, to think they could win it. Yeah. And it did, obviously. Does Kevin Durant give well, them that hope? I was going to say, that's the thing. I don't think he's going to play. Now, that's not based on talking to anybody or anything. Of course, there were the reports that whatever he did yesterday was very little, right? He, he shows up after the media's leaving, takes place, part in their practice, whatever they did. It was a short practice, naturally. And he's the first one headed to the bus. So unless – now, it's possible he went back at night and worked out with some, some reserves or whatever. I don't – I mean, I heard that. But I just don't see how a mini practice or whatever he did, it doesn't seem like, at least from what's reported, that he did enough to know if he can play, to, play or not. So I'd be surprised if he does play. I, I, I was telling Joy this a couple minutes ago, it does feel like – culturally, if Toronto wins and Kawhi took 22 load management games off and we have a finals, players, litany of players are all injured, it does kind of say to me that stars look around this and say, okay, LeBron went to all these finals, his body finally gave out, Kevin Durant played 78 games this year, Clay played 78, 79 games, and they're all hurt. And Kawhi took games off, and yep. he's great because I've seen I've seen Harden look like he's exhausted. Chris Paul get hurt. Steph Curry looks exhausted. It yep. is there, and I think and I think if I was a player, uh, let me defend the players on this. If I was a star player in this league, I'd wake up this morning saying, "Hey, next year I'm just taking 16 games off." It's a copycat league. Of We've course. Seen it. I mean, San Antonio started this by playing guys 30, 31 minutes. They're stars. Sitting them every blue moon, you know, maybe five games a season or whatever. And now it's blossomed into what we see now. I agree. I think a LeBron uh, – the, the key is you have to make sure your team can still make the playoffs and play well without you. And Toronto was 17-5 and five without Kawhi. But I agree. I mean, Steph has looked – a bit worn down in most of their playoff series. Even though right. he's put up good numbers and played well, he does look a bit worn out. And and look, this is not recent. I mean, I the the Detroit Bad Boys first championship in 1989, Magic Johnson played 75 minutes in the entire series. You know, Byron Scott was out the entire series. In 1983, James Worthy, a rookie, was out the entire series. We can go on and on to how many years injuries have played a huge role. So, look, I'm a straight shooter. And what I, I don't like it for the fans because teams sell ticket packages. Right. The Cleveland Cavaliers will sell 
Come get this 15-game package where you're going to see LeBron and the Lakers, Kawhi and the Raptors, Kevin Durant and the Warriors, you know, and those guys might not be there. It's not bad for the home fans because, one, if I'm a home fan, I would want, oh, if he's going to be better in the playoffs, I can stand him. Hey, listen, I'm a home games. fan. I want to win. I don't give a rip right, who I see. Right, and I'm seeing them. I'll see him 32 nights a year rather than 41 or whatever wow. it may be. Uh, but for the visiting fans, this just goes to prove how and they'll never do it, I, I know, unless the fans show some backlash. But I'd rather them cut the season to 65 games. I, listen, think about this. NFL ratings crush college football. NHL ratings crush college hockey. Baseball ratings crush college baseball. But why is it that March Madness actually can beat NBA playoff occasionally? It ain't talent because of urgency. Right. I've been arguing this for years. The first round should be three games. And you say well, to now yourself, that's a little too okay, much. Okay, okay, you think it's crazy though. <laughs> but Duke has a bad half their season's over. But here, here's the you thing. You need with to that. have two bad games as a favorite. Here's the thing with that though. The the goal of the NBA playoffs is to determine who the best team is. Right. You it's easy for somebody to be a, a better team to lose to a worse team in three games. I don't think it that is. Can, it look at the history of the NBA. They used to have three game first rounds. The, the, after, the year after Magic and Kareem won their first championship together, they went out in the first round Wouldn't because I, it was three games. I would argue the, the object of the NBA is not to find the best team. It's to get the best TV ratings and the most money. These leagues are a television it's product. It's a combination. I mean, obviously, money and the ratings and everything Doesn't is a huge urgency part. urgency create ratings? Look, it would be exciting. That's what I, I care I about. Wanna, look, you don't, you're telling me you didn't love okay. the first 40 days of the playoffs where there was a game every night? I loved it. You're telling me the goal of the NBA. This is bittersweet because now i got to wait several nights for a but, game. But Toronto's not the best team in the league, and they're going to win it. So is the best team winning? Are you sure they're not the best? Uh, well, they're not. Okay, that that's where the injuries, because I do agree if Kevin Durant so, yeah. and Clay and all these guys are healthy. But I would say rather than cut the playoffs, cut the regular season. That would create urgency. If you make a 60-65 game season, every game would be important to make it. Think the about playoffs. this. You have a five-game, you have a seven-game first round series. If almost no first round series go seven, very few go six. So if you just made it a five-game series. Some You're not do, though. Not yeah. many. I mean, Boston, the year the big three in Boston won their first ring. They went seven in the first two rounds. Uh, Philly, that was Philly and Toronto's second round. Last year, remember Boston, Milwaukee, How seven many, in the first round. Okay, let's round. go this year. How many first-round series went six to seven games? Because if the series was five games... Clippers, it, and, Clippers and the Warriors but went again, six. But again, does it go six because the Warriors know they have all these games and don't care? My point is, you're not giving up lots of real estate. One series went seven, the others didn't. So if you just shrunk the first round of five games, it it would give the fans a sense of, oh, God, you got to watch the games tonight. Well, five would five, – I wouldn't go three because there's two – it would be too easy for a superior team to be upset. I mean, Orlando won the first game against But uh, Toronto. Toronto won the next two. Yeah, but I, I would – five maybe. It used to be five, just I think they changed in 03 or I something I think like that. with all these devices in our hands, I think the only thing that guarantees a TV rating is urgency because I'm constantly distracted. And if you force people – listen, college basketball, Zion Williamson is out of the tournament because his team has a bad half – 
and the ratings are fantastic. So people are telling you the quality of college basketball doesn't interest me, but the urgency I watched the tournament and the players outside of Duke. Most of the players are like, they're not even going to sniff by the NBA. The, the quality of the NBA player compared to the quality of the college player, it's the Grand Canyon, but I watch college basketball because I have to. But see, I think the playoffs, it's really two seasons in the NBA. The regular season, the playoffs is so long, it's like a second season. Yes. But I love it. I, just, I would rather them cut, which I, I know they won't because it's money. I would rather them cut the regular season, though, than the playoffs. Well, I think everybody would. But if they cut it to five, five would be workable. How could you, let's round. shift to this. If you're KD and you had another injury, this is not his first. Right. How in God, as you get older, Chris, the goal for all of us is to work less but maintain the quality of what we're doing, right? Right. So if you're a columnist, instead of four columns a week, two but you only have to write on Monday and Thursday, right. so the quality's good. This is what Dwayne Wade figured out. Bring stars to Miami. I don't have to play 43 nights and score 28. Kevin Durant this morning, I'm going to go to New York? Like, I'm watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, Kevin, you are – this injury would have been healed if you're 21. Mm -hmm. Kevin's becoming an older athlete. Well, look. When Jerry West, who was integral in recruiting Kevin Durant to Golden State, that was a part of the pitch is that, look, you're going, you're getting older. You're not going to get better, okay? You're going to get older. Every year you're getting older. You need to make it easier on yourself. You can go to the Warriors and get your 28 points on two-thirds of the shots because they're going to be guarding Steph. They're going to be guarding Clay. Your shots will be easier, and you'll be able to play longer at a higher level. So that was a part of the sales pitch, what you're saying. Here's what Kevin Durant really needs to think about. Why was I or am I considering leaving? If it is only because of the narrative, because, I, look, I, wanna, I heard Walt Clyde Frazier talk about the asterisks. I've heard people say mm. players think my, my championships are cheap. And, then, yeah. you know, I've heard people say, hey, you went to this great team, they, the Warriors don't need you. If that is the only reason he's leaving Bad to reason. change that, right. I, look, legacy is you can, you can ignore that if you want, and God bless you if you do, but – there is, I understand if a person at his level, he's one of the greatest to ever play the game, if he really wants to dispel that narrative. So if that was the only reason you're leaving, here's the deal. The narrative is pretty much being dispelled right now. That's right. Some people are still going to hold it against him. Oh, you still went to a great team, blah, blah, blah. But that narrative of them not needing him. They're getting crushed. Right. If and they that, lose tonight. They got beaten five by Toronto, and I mean dominated. Right. So it is gone. Now, if that was your only reason, then stay. Nobody, next year, everybody's going to be saying the Warriors need you. Well, I'm saying it now. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, it's gone. That narrative is it, gone, and I'm with you. Like, If Toronto wins tonight, let's just put the Warriors better without KD. It's over. Right. Like, that just, there's the garbage bin. Wrap that thing up and throw it in the garbage bin. 
Sarah, how have the Raptors neutralized the Warriors in the NBA? Th those two videos couldn't have painted a better picture of why Toronto's in this position. First of all, if you didn't know what happened in that game, of course you would have thought you they saw lost. The team yeah, because they are, are so focused. Kawhi Leonard, the way he talks, his approach, his mentality, his bled into everything of which this team is doing with all the players, with the way they come into every game, with how they are taking the wins and still keeping it very businesslike. Um, how they neutralize the Warriors, uh, their defense, first and foremost, I think you probably give the most credit to. Yes. Their depth, because at any given point, there's been a different player throughout the course of these finals and even throughout the whole postseason that's had big games and big numbers and has done so in a very efficient, not high-volume shooting mm -hmm. way. And then you got a killer like Kawhi and add in a fourth of Nick Nurse and a masterful job in which he's figured out ways to adjust to change in what the teams need on a game-by-game -game basis. But I think more than anything, there's a confidence in that because of how he's coached throughout this entire season. They have been flexible with what they've done. They understand there is a trust because he's tried different things. But with this team, you see that there is game plan discipline regardless of what they are doing. And they are always on a string. They've got a chemistry within themselves. And I think all of that in its totality has helped get them to this point. And they are just a confident bunch of guys given the experience that they have. Fred Van Vliet talked about after game number four. They asked him about the third quarter. And he said, you got a lot of confidence when your guy goes out there and takes two F-you three-pointers. And it was like, F-you. I don't care, Draymond. I'm getting ready to take this. And he said that right there gave them the confidence because at halftime, Nick Nurse talked about the third quarter Warriors. This is when they've been most successful. So how have they done it? They have constantly made adjustments. They made adjustments before the series started. They were going to take advantage of the front court. Mark Gasol, Siakam got them started in game number one. Even though they didn't win game number two, they made adjustments in how they were going to go to Oracle. Instead of pick and pop with the one and the five, the center and the point guard, what they started doing was picking and rolling, and they were rolling their center right to the free throw line. He was either passing to the wing and either sometimes getting the ball back for an easy. They didn't have a response as far as Golden State, as far as their overall rotations and everything. So Nick Nurse has done a tremendous job. And then at the end of that, it's Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi had told his teammates and Nick Nurse that I'm using the regular season as just practice. You're going to see me in the postseason shift to a different gear. And they saw that. And they started following Kawhi's leadership, even though, even though they know it's a different type of leadership. It's very, very strange than any other leadership. But they believe in Kawhi. And they believe at certain points of the game that he's going to put his mark on the game in his own type of way. So looking at their veterans, Nick Nurse, no experience, but trading for Gasol, looking at Serge Ibaka, looking at Kawhi, and looking at Lowry. Those four players right there, they got plenty of experience, and it's played through the rest of the team that they didn't have to do too much. So it's been a great mixture. Inexperienced coach with some veterans that have some playoff experience and a team that has the hunger to try to win a championship. And you guys have talked about the totality of the series and big picture, but I want to talk about Game 4 just for a moment because since it happened Friday, it's now Monday, some of the details of Game 4 kind of get lost in the shuffle. What was so stunning to me about Game 4 was how did the Raptors beat the Warriors in Game 4? The exact way the Warriors have beaten the whole league for five years. Oh, a lethargic start. Could be down 20. Oh, wait, wait. At halftime, you're down four or five points? You're close even though you didn't play that well? 
and then just a flurry in the third quarter that saps the will of your opponent. That has been the methodology for how the Warriors have gone on this run. They don't have to play a great 48 minutes. The Raptors did not play a great 48 minutes. Offensively, that first quarter was an abomination, but their defense was good enough to keep them close. And then in the second quarter, the game started to get away from them, and then like, wait, what? It's a four-point game at halftime? And then the flurry in the third. The flurry in the third that made the Warriors look around and start doing things. The last time I saw them play like this was game six against Cleveland in 2016. The game Steph got thrown out of for throwing his mouthpiece. Where it's like, wait, what's happening? How, how did we get here? And they rush up the court and take a bad shot. This is not, it's not good shot, better shot, great shot. It's rush up the court, bad shot. Rush up the court, turnover. There, there was a sequence where they went eight possessions in that third quarter where Kevon Looney's rushing. His step, the only way they scored was Steph drew a couple fouls. They, they just looked out of sorts. And while they do have tremendous experience, they don't have any experience facing this type of adversity, not since the 2016, actually not NBA Finals, but Conference Finals against Oklahoma City. And to come back from that, it took an all-time game from Klay Thompson in Game 6 and an epic Steph Curry game in Game 7. I don't think they've got that in them in this series. And, and Toronto is deflating for a lot of reasons. I think to your point, that high pick-and-roll action mm -hmm. has absolutely carved up the Warriors' defense. But you have a handful of players that are constantly making the right decisions. Kawhi always makes the right high decisions. High basketball Kyle IQ. Lowry. Oh, because so, whoever has a ball in their hand, they're always making the right decision, which has put so much pressure on Golden State. They understand when to push. They're doing it off makes and misses. They were patient mm. at the end of the game. Defensively, they always know where one pass away is, where the help is coming from. And, and with Golden State, they seem out of sorts because it seems like everything is random in how they're playing. So it's a very different perspective than how we typically look at teams why do you think Sarah the Raptors sort of snuck up on everyone throughout this this road in the east between Philadelphia and then you saw it with Milwaukee and, and and Boston all of a sudden here they are on the brink of, of winning a championship which is important because they've won seven of their last eight since going down 0-2 yes. against Milwaukee but think about that Philly series they were in Philadelphia down to I mean they've they have certainly shown a, a great deal of poise that's a great question I don't know because we always I think or you know at least loop them in oh they're one of the better teams in the east but never really being the pick to come out of the east I know there's some people that had a great deal of respect I don't know if it's because we didn't see this Kawhi Leonard Right. And maybe we weren't sure the level he could get to. I don't know if, despite it being a different team, the past failures of Toronto throughout yes. the postseason. Yes. What's Kyle Lowry mm -hmm. going to all do? All the above. Yes. The, the bench, all the guys that Fred Van Vliet, you can go to Pascal Siakam. This is his first time in this role on this stage. So there was a lot of question marks, and every one of those questions have been answered. I think the biggest reason is during the regular season, because it was all just a foregone conclusion the Warriors are going to win. And there were hotter, sexier topics in the East, Boston, Philadelphia, and Giannis, followed up by Milwaukee won 60 games. Giannis is going to be the MVP. We didn't believe in Kawhi. We heard all the nightmares about Toronto. We've seen them come up short, even as a number one seed. And we didn't believe in Nick Nurse as a playoff coach with the lack of experience. So it just comes from a lack of overall respect for Toronto. And there was no other superstar that we didn't give the type of, oh, he can carry them like Kawhi. We thought Harden could do it, thought Steph could do it, even without KD. Man, we, we gave everyone else um, credit that they can do this besides Kawhi. We missed on it, like we missed. And when the playoffs started, 
out of all, if we took the top four teams in the East, top four teams in the West, this team right here didn't have an identity. So once the playoffs started, they lose the first game to Orlando. And since then, they started creating an identity of who they're going to be. And it's about Kawhi, it's about their defense, and it's about Nick Nurse is going to put them in something that will give them a strategical advantage against the opposition. All right. No, I, they lose that first first game of the playoffs. They lose it. Kyle Lowry has a bagel, and it's like same old Raptors. They, they get through the magic, and they fall down 2-1 to Philly, and it's like, oh, same old Raptors, and then fall down 0-2 to Milwaukee. It's just there have been a lot of – if you did want to believe in Toronto, there have been a lot of exit ramps off that right. that where it felt like the same old the Raptors. The buzzer beater game seven is they've already had a great playoff. Yep. Yep. Kawhi Leonard's been great. Let's try to get him to come back. Mm -hmm. They have no chance against um, Milwaukee. Milwaukee, right, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what Nick told yeah. us. Too. And I Jenna and I was like, ah, oh, Toronto does have a chance. So we missed. Like, it, people don't want to admit it. You're on TV, you're on radio, and it, Nick on both. Sometimes we miss. Jenna and I didn't miss. Given how they looked in game four, which I know did not shock Chris Carter, but it shocked me, I thought, listen, this is going to be the best flurry of maybe a fading champion, but still a champion. And instead, it was just a fading champion, and to continue the analogy, the Warriors looked like a shot fighter in that third quarter on Friday night. They have to have a paradigm shifter. They have to have something that they can tie themselves to and say, this is why it'll be different. Even if it's not going to be 39-5-5 five five Kevin Durant, even if his minutes wouldn't be 35-plus minutes, they have to have something much like the one series these Warriors have lost, the 2016 finals to the Cavs. I think the Cavs would have won that series whether Draymond gets suspended or not. But what you hear from David Griffin, what you hear from people in the postmortem of that championship, when they heard Draymond was suspended, there was a feeling within the locker room that, you know what, this could be the thing that changes things at least for a moment while we get our footing. And that is what happened in that series. They won that game, went back home, then went on the road the exact path the Warriors would have to go on. They have to have Kevin Durant tonight, not only for on-court purposes, but mentally that it gives them a reason to believe, Chris, that this game can be different, not than three of the previous four, but than all of the previous four, because even game number two, the one game they won, they won that game because they were brilliant for six minutes and outplayed for the other 42. So, yes... For them to have a chance, Kevin Durant has, has to, to play. play tonight. First game would be since game five against Houston. What Kevin Durant are we going to get? Um, I think that regardless of what the stats say, I think we can put to bed the question, is Golden State better without Kevin Durant? I think people should stop saying that now. Because if, if they were, why would they be begging for him to come back? Why would they need him? If they're so much better, if they move the ball better, if they're hard to defend, Why? Because they're not. And that's why they're clamoring. That's why you hear players talking about projecting, oh, when he can come back. Clay told us a couple days ago, man, it's the don't look good if KD can't come back. It's the first time the Warriors in five years ever felt that way. Kevin Durant is a special, special basketball player. And we know Golden State has been a special situation. But without Kevin Durant, oh, they can be had. They were, they were very, very fortunate this year as far as Houston and the way the bracket fell, that they were playing Portland in the finals. In the Eastern Conference final, Western Conference final, I said, 
Toronto Raptors and the and um, Milwaukee Bucks were going to be were going to upset whoever won was going to I was picking them in the finals because I thought they were both better basketball teams. The Golden State Warriors. They are not a great defensive team the way they have been the previous four years. And even with Kevin Durant coming back, they're not going to be a great defensive team. So I believe the Raptors and the adjustments they have made without a healthy, healthy Kevin Durant, even if, he, if this goes seven, I still believe Toronto is going to win because KD will not be healthy. He is the only answer that they would be able to have if he was to be able to come back and be 100%. And I know that that's impossible. Because it's not just Kevin Durant. You're going to need something more from Clay Thompson, even though he gave you 28 or, or whatever it was on, on just one game back from the hamstring. Steph Curry had to play, you know, lights out and wasn't great in that last game. You don't know what you're getting from Boogie Cousins at all. What would you really need from Kevin Durant in order for them to get back into the series? Realistically, if you know, as C said, he's not going to give you much on defense. Well, he, I don't think we need to compare his production to what Clay or Steph would be doing. What they need is a front court threat that Van Gundy was hammering this point on Friday and he was absolutely right it was incredibly obvious for anyone watching to see the Warriors once the ball was out of Steph or Clay's hands and Clay I thought played really well Steph struggled a bit until very late when the game was all but decided but as soon as it went to Draymond or Iggy or whatever revolving door they had at center all of whom played poorly on Friday night the offense died they, they, this has been a bad series for Draymond and Iggy not be able to hit shots. It's been a bad series for Boogie to have the one game and then all of a sudden in game four look worse than he had in any of the previous three. They, The Warriors, it's tough to... The reason people were initially skeptical of this team was can you win with just a backcourt? That's what people thought. Then Draymond became the player that he was. Iggy showed everyone what championship medal that he has. But right now in this series... Iggy is a lesser version of himself than he has been in any of the five other series. Draymond's shot has been broken all year long and is not being fixed in these finals. And all they have is Stephen Clay. So even if KD is just spotting up in the corner, Kevin Durant adds an element to you that makes the Warriors tougher to defend and gives them an extra degree of offense. It's why, even though I had picked the Warriors in six, that's obviously not going to happen. I'm not going to sit here and say now it's Warriors in seven because we have four games of evidence. Toronto's flatly better. They need something to shift the paradigm. That would be Kevin Durant taking the court. I just don't see it, though. I don't see a guy that's been out of mount the basketball with a torn calf. They said it was a strain, but a strain, you're back before four weeks. I'm going to say it. He's got a torn calf, and there's a reason why people that follow the NBA have doubted his returning. There's a reason why someone watched him work out on Thursday before game number four and said, man, I don't see him coming back. A guy with a professional trained eye, and I respect his opinion. I've been saying this all along. I thought Kevin Durant was not going to play anymore. So now, even if he's able to come back for game five, Let's not forget Boogie Cousins, because Boogie Cousins gave us a great example of what happens if you miss 45 days. He came back. How many minutes did he play in that first game? Eight. Everyone just assumed, you know something? In game number two, he's going to be that much better. You know what, Steve Kerr? We're going to start him. Huh? How'd that work out? How has he been in the previous games? You cannot miss all of that conditioning. You cannot miss all of that on-court performance that you typically would get late in the season and think that you can join a championship competition and there not be some letdown. Kevin Durant has not been on the basketball court, and he hasn't guarded anyone. He hasn't run 94 feet three or four or five minutes. He hadn't done all those things. So now we think he can do this three times? 
in six days? Like, that's what's getting ready to happen? Uh, look, listen. Sports is difficult. And at the highest level, it's the most difficult. And the one thing that's troubling to all athletes is injuries. How to overcome them. And there's a difference between a woo-woo and an injury. A woo-woo is what Clay had. A hamstring, he was able to strap it up tighter and play the next game. This is an injury that's had him out for a month. Let's respect where they are, and this is the NBA Finals, and what it would take to be able to muster up the type of performance that he hadn't even been on to get on the court, zero minutes in over two rounds of basketball. So I don't think he's going to have a huge impact.